0: Uh, this has been a really exciting series to be in, uh, because in this series of spiritual formation, uh, we're looking at 12 different disciplines that we can actually put into practice in our lives that uh, tell, basically, it's ways of saying to Jesus, Lord, I'm serious about my relationship with you. And, and so our theme verse for this series is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and I think it's, I think it's in there uh, on the slide. And it's a, it's a passage of Scripture where Paul, the Apostle Paul, he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And, and one of the things that we've been emphasizing in this series is that Paul wasn't saying that to brag. He wasn't saying, oh, look at me. I'm this elite Jesus follower. You know, I've got the mind of God and the rest of you better listen to me. He was sharing his testimony as an encouragement to the rest of us to say, hey, it's no longer me who lives. I used to be this horrible, wretched person. I was obsessed with religion, and then Jesus changed me. And I used to try really hard to please God, and now it just comes out of me because Jesus is in me. And he shared that testimony with us to say, you can all walk this way. Like, you can all have the same story where you say, hey, I used to live according to the way that I thought, my own desires, and I was led by what other people thought of me, all these different things. But now Jesus is on the inside of me, and he's changed something. And so that's the theme of it. And these disciplines, we're looking at 12 uh, disciplines, and so we've looked at prayer and fasting and meditation, um, and we're going to be looking at confession and worship, and there's 12 of them, and they're all really practical, because one of the things that uh, is a struggle sometimes in the, in the church world is you come in, and hear about, oh, it's super important to follow Jesus. But then you walk out of a church setting like this and you're like, well, what does that look like when I'm getting Cheerios for my kids on Tuesday morning and we're rushing to get to school on time? Or what does it look like when my boss just told me to do something that really ticked me off and I just don't feel like a very good Christian? Whatever, right? Like all these different things. And, and these, these disciplines are ways we can actually put into practice the life of Jesus. And it's us saying to God, like God... I'm serious about this relationship. I know I can't change my own heart, but I'm going to actually do some things that reveal that I'm serious about this relationship. And as we put ourselves in this position of like, God, I'm placing myself before you, he starts to change our hearts. He does the impossible. We can't change our hearts. He can do that. But we can make decisions that say, God, I'm, I'm serious about my relationship with you. And so if you're here uh, today, it's your first day. You're This is great. You're, you're here on a, one of the more divisive issues in the church, okay? Uh, we're going to be talking today about submission. Uh, and this is, this is a spiritual discipline. And uh, this topic has been, uh, there's a couple different ways it's approached. Sometimes in the church, in the history of the church, the topic of submission has been abused by people in positions of power trying to use their power over other people. We've probably all seen examples of that. And then another way It's been mishandled in the church, and sometimes it's just completely neglected, and we don't even talk about submission at all. Uh, But the scriptures talk about it a lot, and so we're going to dive into it today. And my hope is that we, all of us, myself included, that we would hear what God has to say, and that he would challenge us. And as has always been the case in this series, my hope is that we would go away from today with some practical application, where maybe the Lord would speak to you in such a way where you go... I think I know some things he wants me to do. Like, you, you, didn't, you didn't just go away with maybe more information or you're like, oh, that's what those weird Christians believe or whatever, but like, maybe you'd walk away with like, I think I have a sense of what God actually wants me to do with my time, with my body, with, you know, the way I respond, and, and that's my hope. So I'm going to pray, uh, and then we'll dive into uh, this topic of, of submission. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your word, and thank you that in your word, you challenge us, and you speak about things that we need to hear about um, and God, I just also uh, thank you that that Jesus, you are the perfect example for everything, uh, and that you 've come and you 've revealed yourself to us in a way that we can know and see and experience and I just pray that, as we talk about this today, that we 'd have a, a, an experience an encounter with jesus lord there 's uh, a lot of us in this room that for various reasons have probably struggled with this topic and with walking it out, and what does it look like to do it in a healthy way. Uh, may we hear you today, Lord. So uh, help our ears to be open to what you have to say, and then may you give us the empowerment of your spirit to actually do the things that you say in jesus name amen so i 'm not sure when it happened for me, uh, but a few years ago this this picture became one of the dominant pictures in my mind when I feel overwhelmed okay so uh, as a lead pastor, as um, a dad of six children i 'm um, in a position a lot where i 'm in a position of authority and and along with that comes tons of responsibility sometimes and and This picture in my mind that i 'm going to describe might have happened during covid because if you if you remember. Uh, that was a really divisive, if we're going to talk about divisive things, we may as well just go all the way, right? So uh, that was a really divisive time in our culture, but also in the church. Everybody had an opinion about how churches should respond during COVID. If you're really a Christian, you'll say this and you'll do this. If you're really a Christian church, you'll say this and you'll do this. And it was on opposite sides of the spectrum, right? You, you, you with me? And, and just the, the weight of that sometimes, the pressure of people saying, you need to do this, need to do that, This picture began to develop in my mind where I just pictured myself sitting beside Jesus and I just laid my head on his chest and I just had this overwhelming sense of peace when I thought there's a day coming, Jesus promises it, he's going to return and he will make everything right. And so I had this picture in my mind of like just sitting with Jesus and knowing all of the weight for every decision is on him. And like how comforting and how beautiful is that? Like, I don't know about you, but, like, sometimes when you get the, just the weight of the world and you've got these responsibilities and these pressures and all this stuff, like, if you can picture that, right? Like, man, Jesus, like, just, you put your head on his, his chest and he's got it. He's got it totally figured out. And, and that picture is a picture of submission. It's me saying, it's this confession. Jesus, I, like, I don't actually want the pressure of this. Like, I, I want you to do it. And if you reveal to me what you want, I'll just do that. I don't care what people think. I don't care what they say. If I know you want me to do it, then I'll, I'll do it. And there's this desire uh, to submit to Jesus. And when he reveals something, I think we, we do do that. Uh, but there are times where God just calls us to step into these, like, areas of responsibility and they're, they're weighty, right? Uh, and so if you're a person that has responsibility and authority, I encourage you, like, look to Jesus for wisdom and for guidance. And even in your prayer times, just, just be comforted. Comforted in the reality that he's got this, uh, but then you do have to leave sometimes that prayer time and go and and stand in the position that he's called you to stand in and make some sometimes challenging decisions. Uh, but while we're talking about Jesus, and he is the perfect example. In Mark chapter eight verse thirty four, this is what Jesus said when he was calling his disciples. He said, uh, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, and this is a crowd of people that were all like, hey Jesus, we see what you're doing. We see the crowds are growing. People are joining your, your gang, uh, and they were interested. And so this is how he responded. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. It's quite a challenge. So Jesus is saying to the crowds, he's saying, if you want to be my follower, you have to give up your way. So the things you desire, the way you want things to run in the world, you've got to give that. If you really want to follow me, Jesus is saying, You have to lay down your desire and follow me. That hasn't changed. Here we are 2,000 years later. Jesus, it's not like 2,000 years later, Jesus looks at us and says, you can follow me and still do everything the way you want to do it. Like it it doesn't work that way. Jesus is still, these are still the timeless words of Jesus that if we want to be his follower, we lay down our way of doing things, our way of reasoning, thinking, and we just say, Jesus, may your will be done. But there's also this incredible freedom that comes along. So when you encounter Jesus, and I hope there's people here today that maybe you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're checking things out, okay? Uh, and, and I want you to know that when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you have this encounter with him, he, yes, he becomes your Lord. There's this submission that he talks about. He says, if you want to follow me, you lay down your will and you, you surrender to mine. But there's also this incredible freedom that we get to walk in. So it's like, as a... Uh, as a follower of Jesus, we, we experience this incredible freedom. Things that used to tie us up, things that used to keep us in bondage no longer do because we're free in Christ. So as much as submission's a part of the walk with Jesus, so freedom is emphasized a lot in Scripture. And Martin Luther, 500 years ago, um, he, he, uh, he kind of addresses this paradox, and I want you to just think about this for a second. He says, a Christian is perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. So if you're a Christian, you're free. Okay, you can see all kinds of examples of that in Scripture. And then he says, a Christian is, perfectly, is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. So in a sense, we're like, as a Christian, we're, we're totally free. We have this incredible freedom in Christ. No person has ultimate say over us because that belongs to God alone. But then also as a Christian, if you're truly following Jesus, in a way, you're, you're like, you see yourself as a servant to everybody. And we'll talk about this a little bit as we get into it, but Jesus actually models this. He's the model of what this looks like. Jesus is God in the flesh, right? Nobody's more free than God himself revealed in Jesus. But then Jesus also comes and he, in a sense, he submits, right? We're going to read in in Philippians where he, he becomes obedient, he submits to death, but he also takes on the form of a, of a slave and a servant. Jesus washes the feet of his followers. So you've got the, the perfect example of leadership. Is, it's, it's found in Jesus. And what does he do to the people that are under his leadership? He comes and he, he takes the job of the lowest slave and washes their feet. Jesus is this paradox, okay? If you, if you think you've got him figured out, you don't. You never will. And it'll always be one of those that you'll be like in awe of him over and over again. So, uh, we're going to look at submission from two different perspectives today, because it's important to cover them both. I want to talk about how submission has been abused, that's the first one, and then we'll talk about how submission um, is supposed to look according to the, to the scriptures. So, how it's been abused, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, and this will be up on the screen. We're going to look at verses 18, uh, down to uh, the first verse of chapter 4, and just Bear with me as we read this, okay? Um, There's some really good truth and instruction in here, but because we've seen submission abused, the way that this is worded is often really hard uh, on our modern ears, if you put it that way, because we've seen so many examples of even spiritual leaders that have abused uh, authority and, and have abused even the teaching of submission. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. So uh, this passage, and there's a couple others like it in the New Testament, has been one that has actually been used very poorly, okay? It's been used by people in positions of power to oppress and keep that power over the people under them, and sometimes the people that are in positions of power have actually used the scriptures to justify the way that they have used their power abusively, it's happened a lot, okay? One, one example, and maybe you're familiar with this, this movie. It's a true story. There's a movie that came out a few years ago. I think it was 2013, uh, called 12 Years a Slave. And, and so if you've seen the movie, um, you'll, you'll kind of know where I'm headed with it. Um, but even if you haven't, you can look up the true story. It's a true story of a, a, a man named Solomon Northrup, and he was from the northern part of U.S., And took a trip down into the southern part of the U.S. back when slavery was was still a thing. He was abducted and he was forced into slavery. He served 12 years as a slave. That's where where the name comes from. Even though he was actually a free man. So if you want to look up Solomon Northrup, you can look that up. In the movie, and they depicted this well. And they actually depicted it accurately. So they've got slave owners in the movie that use the Bible to justify slavery. So they'll take verses like the one we just read, and, and they're quoting this, and it's these, there's these powerful scenes in this movie. And as a Christian, and as somebody who follows Jesus wholeheartedly, believes the Bible, it was, like, it, was, it was difficult to watch. But we can't ignore the fact that that actually happened and still happens to this day. So you've got these slave owners that are just harsh and abusive and greedy, and domineering, and oppressive, and they're taking the Scripture, and they're saying, hey, the Bible says that I get to be your master, and you, if you want to follow God, you must submit to me, right? It's horrible. It's the way, it, and, and so there's, there's abuse of this. Now, I want you to um, look at this, this verse with me. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 3, talking about God, it says, he will not crush the weakest read, or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. If you, if you study the Scriptures carefully, okay, you'll start to see themes that are all the way through. So what people do that mishandle the Scriptures is they'll take a verse out of context and they'll apply it to a situation saying, well, this is what God says, and they're wrongly applying it. So the the example that I gave of of uh, that that slave in the movie, okay, um, is an example of that how the, how it's been abused. But the themes in scripture, one of the things that, that I've noticed for years as I've been reading scripture is that God hates, and I use that word on purpose, hates corruption. So if you actually want to, if you're curious about it, when like the, the anger of God, the wrath of God. So we we read about it in Psalm ninety. Jean read it this morning. Sometimes that word is kind of uncomfortable for us. What do you mean God's angry and God's wrathful? One of the the times you'll see God's wrath come out the most strong or the strongest is towards corrupt leaders. Over and over again in Scripture. when, When leaders abused their position, God gets absolutely irate. He hates it. And so leaders that have used his name wrongly to oppress people in the scriptures, you'll see that God often makes makes sure they're exposed and that they're they're judged for their harsh leadership. He he hates uh, that kind of corruption, and it's important to know that about God. It's important to know that 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 uh, corrupt leadership is exposed. You know, we, we live in a time, and we've we've talked about this briefly, but uh, there's all kinds of exposes coming out now. There's you know churches that have done things that are horrible. There's these high-powered leaders. Some of them, you know their names. I'm not going to say any names, uh, but probably if you've been following and if you're alive over the last few years and following some of the stuff, there's all kinds of church leaders, pastors, high-up high officials in the, in the church community, the religious community that have, like, been exposed for corruption. And, and some people in the church, like, I, I hear it. They're, they're almost sad, but I read the Bible and I'm like, I think God wanted that exposed. Like, I think if there's corruption... Actually, I wouldn't even use the word I think. I know it. Because when I read the Bible, God is like, He, he promises that He will expose corruption. He, he hates it. He hates corruption, especially when somebody in a position of power abuses that power over somebody who's in a position of, of weakness. Now, I want to, this uh, Colossians passage that we read, I want you to just notice uh, this. And you, uh, you don't have to put it back up on the screen, Corey, but I'll just uh, mention the. Um, where it's found again. So Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 18 to, to chapter 4, verse 1. Just when you get a chance, go and read it. And I want you to notice the way Paul talks to people in authority was mind-blowing to anybody in the ancient world. Okay. So he says, husbands, don't be harsh with your wives. Okay. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Masters, treat your servants with fairness. So the way Paul talks here to people in positions of authority was unheard of in the ancient world. A couple thousand years ago, if you owned slaves, you could do whatever you wanted with those slaves. If you, as parents with children, you could treat your children like they were your property and nobody would come knocking on your door to come after you if you were horrible to your children. Paul, it's totally radical. Paul is actually talking to these people in positions of authority. and He's saying, make sure in your leadership that you look like Jesus. He's giving them these warnings, and he's warning them against God. He's saying, because if you don't, you're actually going to stand before God's judgment, like let alone people. And so what's, what's interesting, and in if you study the Scriptures, and if you study some of the, the movements that have advocated for people over the years, you'll see that the Scriptures actually led, they were, the Scriptures were a trajectory towards the civil rights movement. You know, it's interesting, you study the civil rights movement in the U.S. Um, that happened under Dr. Martin Luther King, a different Martin Luther than the one that I quoted, by the way. People often confuse those two guys, okay? Martin Luther King and Martin Luther, two very different guys. Um, But Dr. Martin Luther King, during the Civil Rights Movement, he was inspired by the Scriptures. He actually used the Scriptures to stand up against the evil institution of slavery and say, this is wrong, and he was able to do that because of the warnings that God had given to those in positions of power, and he was pointing out that what you guys are doing is absolutely evil and wrong and sinful. And I believe God was, was with those leaders of the civil rights movement. It's incredible to study uh, the way that, that they led and the way that they were inspired by the Scriptures. And so it's important to see that, that yes, people have used the Scriptures oppressively and abusively, but that is so far from the heart of God, and God actually warns against that. Uh, the Scriptures are used um, in the women's rights movement, movement. When, when, and if you study the, the women's rights movement and the things that were done to women that women weren't allowed to do, and then you study the Scriptures and, and the freedom that is given and the way that the Scriptures talk about women. Like, to us today, we, we read the Scriptures and we can't quite understand how radical it is. But if you read uh, the Scriptures in context and realize how oppressed women were a couple thousand years ago, the, the statements in Scripture towards women were just revolutionary. People would have been so uncomfortable. Like, how do you how could you give them that much uh, freedom, right? And so the trajectory where where uh, the where Paul was headed, okay, it, it set the tone for uh, for women's rights, for children's rights. You know, there, there's been lots of examples in history of times where like children were just abused or or completely taken advantage of, and there's nothing that anybody could do about it. But the teaching of the scripture and the teaching of the heart of God. Um, was actually an inspiration and motivation for people saying, things have to be different. Authority cannot be abused the way that it's been abused. And so, uh, I I, I say this with with confidence. Um, Church leaders, people in positions of authority, have no right or business to teach about submission and authority if they're not doing so in the spirit of Christ. And in the spirit of how the Scriptures teach us uh, to do that. And so biblical submission, um, you, you've got to know this, okay? So Jesus, he is the model for what submission looks like and also for who we submit to as a leader. So Jesus is the model. You know, when I get together, uh, with when I do premarital counseling with couples that are about to get married, uh, we, we read... Uh, not the Colossians passage, usually. We read the one in Ephesians, which is, which is similar to Colossians. But we also read John chapter 13. And so uh, I like having the conversation with a couple before they get married. So what's the dynamic in your relationship going to look like? Like, how do you make decisions? What does that look like for you guys? And so we read in, uh, in, in uh, Ephesians what Paul talks about, you know, about submission and marriage and all this stuff. But we actually start the conversation by reading John 13 because in John 13, Jesus is the example of leadership, and he gets with his, his, uh, the people underneath him, okay, the people that are supposed to submit to him, and, he, and, and the scriptures say that he, he puts this towel around his waist, and he gets down on his knees, and he washes their feet, and they're just aghast. When, when he gets to Peter, Peter says, Jesus, there's no way you're washing my feet. But that's the, and we talked about this last, uh, last winter. The, the, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples was the job of the lowest slave. And so even within like slavery in a household, there was different levels of slavery. The people that washed the feet, that was the lowest slave's job. And Jesus actually takes that job, and he goes and he washes the feet of the disciples. And then, so what, when we think about, well, what does authority look like? What does it look like to be somebody in a position of authority? We should be thinking about Jesus. But instead, for us, sometimes we think about, People that have abused authority, and, and then it, we get uncomfortable thinking, well, like, you know, the, the, is the Scripture somehow affirming this abusive authority, this oppressive authority? No. Jesus comes to say, here's what authority looks like. Like, if you want to be a good leader, you look to Jesus. If you want to be somebody who, who models authority well, Jesus is the example for what that looks like. I, I can't tell you how, much, how transformative that's been in my mind. So as a person who's in a position of leadership, like, my model is Jesus. When I'm tempted to do things the way the world says it, you think about it in the world, when you get a position of authority, you kind of flaunt that, you use it over people, you, you know, your word goes, their word doesn't matter. But as a Jesus follower, I'm like, no, Jesus is the one that is the model of authority. So if I'm going to walk in authority, it better look a lot like Jesus if I'm going to say that it's a godly authority, Right? And so that's the, the, uh, the, the, the model of, sub, of uh, who we submit to. Jesus is the one that, that we are to look to. And I'm going to read uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, and this will be up on the screen. And uh, just, if you have a Bible and you want to read along, you can, or you can, you can follow it on the screen, or if you just want to close your eyes and listen to it. But listen to, this is like one of the most beautiful passages in the New Testament that describes what Jesus actually did. It says, is there any, and, and just remember here, Paul's talking to a church and he's trying to get them to get into agreement with each other. He wants them to, un- to, to love each other well, to understand each other uh, and to be in unity. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. There was an issue of submission in Paul's day too. People were disagreeing with each other. They couldn't get along. They were fighting over who's in charge. And Paul's saying, please, like, just get yourself to the point where you have one mind, one purpose, one focus. Be in unity. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too. Now listen to verse five. What a, what a command here. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is so vital. When we're talking about this, this issue of submission, listen to how Paul instructs his people. He says, you have to have the same attitude as Jesus. So if you're tempted to look at the horrible examples of submission and say, how could the church teach that? How could the church? Like just know if you've seen authority abused in an oppressive kind of a way, that it's not the kind of authority that the Scriptures are actually talking about. Paul here, he says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. He's talking to people that are in positions of authority, he's talking to leaders, and he's also talking to people that are underneath those positions of authority, those people that are called to submit to those leaders. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, now listen to the attitude of Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Isn't that powerful? I'll stop there. The rest, it keeps going. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like, read the rest of that. But, but what Paul's getting at here is he's He's talking to this group of people. They're having a hard time getting along. They're fighting. They're bickering. They're arguing over leadership. And he's saying, All of you, no matter what your position is, no matter whether you're the person in authority or the person under authority, you've got to have the same attitude as Jesus. And you know why Paul's emphasizing that? Because in Jesus, we see the perfect example of what authority should look like. But we also see somebody who has authority. who who gave that up in a sense and came and submitted himself underneath another authority. Like, it's just profound. What Jesus did is mind-blowing. He is the perfect example of what it looks like to willingly submit. He's also the perfect example of what it looks like to be in leadership and to have authority. So whether right now you're thinking about your position of leadership, look to Jesus. Does does your leadership look like Jesus? And, And maybe you're thinking about it of the people that you have to submit to and how difficult that is, how challenging it is, think about Jesus. You know, there's a line in there that says that he didn't think that equality with God was something he had to hold on to. Jesus has the position of God. He could command the angels of heaven, and he comes and he submits himself under authority. You know, remember the story when, when he was a young boy, and he wanders off, and he gets lost, and his parents come back, and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Right? And there's, people have made all these jokes about, you know, if you feel bad, messing up with your kids. Like, imagine Mary losing the Son of God, right? Like, like how, how much pressure that would have been. But Jesus, like, He submits Himself under their authority. And then He submitted Himself underneath Roman authority at the time, and He went to, to, to the cross and died for our sins. Like, He is the example of what it looks like uh, to willingly submit, but also to be in a position of authority. And I just want to point out that the, the way Jesus models uh, authority, it, you, you can't see it anywhere. You know, I, I like, uh, my, my kids and I like watching Marvel, and so it's all about, like, if you watch Marvel enough, there's all the, like, Norse mythology gods that, that show up there, and um, one of my other, my other son, I don't know if Andrew's here this morning, but Andrew and I were uh, reading this, this series of books, and it was all about uh, the Greek gods, okay, so there's all these, like, interesting things, it was by uh, Patrick Riordan, I think his name was, and he wrote all these cool books about the Greek gods. And, and what's interesting is like these gods, with the way they're talked about, you can tell they come from the mind of a man. But nowhere in, in any religion, anywhere that you look, do you find uh, what we see in Jesus, where you've got God, the creator of the universe, coming and, and submitting himself to death on our behalf. So when you read the Bible, it's so clear. Like the way we're going to get to God is by being perfect, and and there's all these rules, and it's hard to understand why these rules exist and all these different things. But then you've got the one who invented the rules, God Himself. He comes in Jesus, and he submits to the punishment that all of us deserve. You don't find that anywhere. You know, and I'm not going to make a political statement about this, but um, the the uh, I think it's the World Economic Forum. They meet in Davos. Switzerland, and, and there's all this conversation right now about climate change and all this different stuff. And uh, and, and it's interesting because what I hear people saying, and again, I'm not making a, a political statement with it, but people get all worked up because they're like, you've got all these leaders that are saying you need to reduce your, your carbon footprint and you need to drive your car less and you need to do all these things, but they're flying in private jets and doing all this stuff, right? Like, I hear you, you hear these, these kinds of comments, and what I want to draw from that is is Jesus' leadership is so different. He's not the kind of leader that gets into this position and says, well, it's going to be different for me, and I'm going to take advantage of my leadership. We've seen example after example of example of that, where people are in this high position of leadership, this high position of authority, and they expect things from the people underneath them that they themselves would never do. Jesus is the exact opposite of that. Jesus sets the bar super high, but then he comes and he submits himself to the punishment of not meeting that mark. Like, it's incredible. There is no one like Jesus. Jesus is the example of, of what it looks like to walk in authority in a healthy way, and He's also the example of what it looks like to come and to submit. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, I'm just going to read one verse, and that's the other section where it talks about this, similar to Colossians. Uh, listen, to, listen to how we're instructed to submit. It says, "...and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then Paul goes on to to talk about different roles. And and here's my, my challenge with you. You can just leave that verse on the screen, Corey. If you are in a position where people are required to submit to you, heed the biblical warning and make sure your leadership looks like Jesus' leadership. If you're in a position where you need to submit, do so willingly as an act of worship to God, and submit in the way we see Jesus willingly submitting. You know, this instruction that, that Paul gives in, in Ephesians, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, when, when we operate in, uh, in, in submission and in authority, the way God instructs for us to do it, we actually will realize we need God's Holy Spirit in us. And so here's what I I want to say to us to make this, this practical. Like if you're listening to this today and you're thinking about your position of authority where maybe somebody's underneath that authority in some way and they need to submit, or if you're thinking about yourself under authority, it's probably one of those things where you're like, God, I don't know how to do this well. And what that should do is it should make us go to God and say, God, Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can look a lot like Jesus in the way that I act this out. Like that's, the teaching of Scripture should always do that. Whenever we come to Scripture with our eyes open, our ears open, we should read it and go, I can't do this in my own strength. I need the Holy Spirit. And for those examples, and today's an introduction to the topic of submission. It's a challenge for us to take this and and put the practice, uh, put it into practice in our lives. Uh, So... Thinking about some of those unhealthy examples of submission, you know, we can't get into all that. I wish I had more time to, to get into that and kind of pick it apart. Um, but I, I just want you to I want to say this: when you've seen authority abused, and when you're tempted to read these verses and just get a sour taste in your mouth and just throw it all out, just just know that whenever authority has been abused and people use the Bible for it, those people are not saying, Holy Spirit, just fill me up so that my authority looks like yours. That's not happening. Whenever authority's been abused, whenever people have been oppressed in an ungodly way, the people that are in the positions of leadership, they may be saying Bible verses, they may be trying to use this to justify evil and wicked behavior, but they're not asking, Holy Spirit, fill me up so that I look like Jesus. They're not actually understanding what the Scriptures teach about submission and authority. And it's so important to know that. And so my challenge to us is that as we think about, you know, whatever position of authority you're in or or submitting to to that authority... Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to lead you, to guide you, and to help you to look like Jesus in in how you do it. I'm going to put the the definition up, and then I'll I'll give us a couple practices. But this here's the definition of submission. I ended with it today instead of starting like we've done with the other disciplines. Uh, Submission that leads to growth means aligning my will and freedom with God's will and freedom. God's will for us includes freely submitting to each other out of love and reverence for Christ. And here's some practices I want to encourage us, and we'll, we'll close with this, and then I'll, I'll pray, and then I'll invite the team to come up. Um, but each week we're just, I'm putting up some practices and saying, hey, let's, let's do this. Like, let's not just think about it, talk about it on a Sunday, but, but when God reveals something in his word, it's important for us to say, okay, God, well, what does it look like now to go do it? And maybe you're here today and you're not even a Jesus follower. Um, that's, I'm glad you're here and, and and maybe you're not leaving today going, well, yeah, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I hope you do. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope if God's speaking to you, you, you surrender him. But maybe maybe you'll leave today and you haven't done that. But but maybe one of these practices is something that you're like, I've never done that before. I would encourage you to take, take the Scripture seriously and just say, okay, I'm going to go, I'll go do that thing. And God, if you're there, then just reveal to me in a deeper way who you are. That's a really, uh, it's, it's a really simple prayer that you can pray. Like, God, I'm I, I'm not sure that I believe. I'm not sure where I stand with you. But if you're real, just reveal yourself. Don't don't feel like you have to fake it. If you're here today and, you know, you're not a follower of him, uh, even starting with that prayer is a good way to start. And just invite God to speak to you. If he's not there, you haven't lost anything. Nobody, you know, (laughs) there'll be no response. But if he is and he speaks to you, it is life-changing, and Jesus will come in and fill you up and give you freedom and his Holy Spirit. So here's the practices. Uh, seek God's will no matter where it leads. Some of us have a decision to make that we want control, so we're afraid to make the decision. And a, and a, a practice of submission is to seek God's will no matter where it leads, even if it means making a good decision you don't want to make. Acquire a mentor and submit willingly. Maybe, I, I did this in my life. I think I shared this in one of the disciplines previously. Um, years ago, uh, this, this person offered to mentor me and when he came into my life, I had made this decision. I said, whatever book he wants me to read, whatever he says to do, I'm just going to do it because I trust that God brought this person into my life. It changed my life. I wouldn't be in Thunder Bay pastoring today if it wasn't for this relationship uh, that God opened up for me 12 years ago. And it was a relationship where there was submission on my part. It was this willing submission. And I am thankful to this day for what God did through this, this leader in my life. Uh, lay down the need to be in charge to get your way. Maybe there's a situation where you just, you're just fighting with all your heart to get your way and you just need to let it go and say, you know what, I'm going to lay down my need to be in charge. Practice teachability. You know, maybe as opposed to being so quick to defend yourself or to, you know, stand your ground in an area you shouldn't, be teachable. You ever had somebody that knows less than you try to teach you something? Anybody ever have that? Okay. You have like, is it like, you're like almost jumping out of your skin to like, I know more than you. What are you doing? Right? Like, you know what it, one of the practices of submission is like, m- maybe this week that'll happen. Somebody who knows less than you is going to come and try to give you some sort of tip. And everything in you is just going to want to like, oh, I just like, I want to show them how dumb they are. And maybe you're going to remember this and you're going to be like, no, I'm going to be teach. Maybe God wants to teach me something through somebody who knows less than me. Like that is a practice of submission. You'd be shocked what that'll do for you internally. If you're like, all right, God, I'm just going to like, I'm going to let you speak to me through this, this person. It's a spiritual it is a spiritual discipline, and it will change uh, the way things happen inside of your mind and your heart. And submit to those who are in leadership over you. Like, practice, practice that. And, and, and so if one of these things are highlighted to you, maybe there's another, you know, situation or thing that God's brought up in your mind and heart as we've talked about this, put that into practice in a way where you're trusting Jesus. I'm going to invite the team to come up. We're going to close with a couple songs. And uh, I'm going to just pray for us. Uh, while they're coming up, these, these disciplines, uh, my, <laughs> here's how I've thought about it. I'm like, if I had uh, like a last thing I wanted to say to somebody, if I knew I was on my deathbed and I was like, the, the, what I would want to leave with my children or somebody that I love very much is, is like, take the practical things Jesus has said and just do it in your life. Like, yes, yes, believe, yes, surrender, yes, receive God's free gift of salvation, but actually Orient your life around the things that God says clearly in His Word. And as you begin to do those things, you experience the presence of Jesus because you're putting His Word into practice in your life. And so following Jesus is, is so much more than showing up on a Sunday and, and singing and listening to the Scriptures. It's like it's actually the day-to-day. It's putting it into practice in our everyday lives. And so I just encourage you, you take, if you take one of those practices this week uh, and, and do it in such a way where you're saying, All right, Lord. I'm open to you. Speak to me, speak through me, and help me to live in a way that honors you. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for how you speak to us in your word. Jesus, thank you that you, you came and offered yourself willingly. You became obedient even to death on a cross. You, you, you died in our place. You submitted to death so that if we believed in you, then... Our sins are taken care of. They're forgiven. They're wiped away because of your sacrifice. But then, Jesus, you also model to us what, what healthy authority looks like. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help all of us that are in this room that are listening to this uh, to walk in authority in a way that is led by your Holy Spirit that looks a lot like you, Jesus, but also that we would model submission in the way that we see you doing it. You didn't have to leave heaven. You didn't have to give up the divine attributes like it talks about in, in, uh, in, in, the, in Philippians but you did it willingly. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to do the same, that when we're called to submit, we would do so willingly and that we would experience you in us as we do that. We look to you, Lord, we love you, we praise you, we honor you, we worship you, in Jesus' name, amen.